Hello, I'm Dave Watts, and this is the Redundancy Podcast. The purpose of the podcast is to share the challenges of finding and keeping a job as an older worker. This podcast is the last in the current series, and I'm going to try and briefly summarise what I've learned from the podcast and my guests over the last three years. Two years ago, my dad, who was 91 at the time, was astonished when I told him I was going back into full-time employment at 65 into yet another new sector after a year of retirement and travel. Remember travel? He'd worked for the same organisation all his working life, had been able to take early retirement on a full pension and could not comprehend me taking on yet another career change. He'd watched with some consternation my series of redundancies over the years, followed by multiple new jobs in different sectors. This was not something people from his generation did. In fact, not many from my generation, so-called boomers, seem to have done either. My generation, our generation, grew up to think that we would do only one thing for one employer. And when we had a big enough pension, or got tired of the job, we'd stop working and walk off into the retirement sunset with our partner. Now I know that many look forward to retirement with some pleasure. A friend of mine took retirement in his mid-60s with a comment, I never liked my job or working very much anyway. But, and I'll come back to this later, as I recall and paraphrase what Stuart Lewis said during our conversation, what are you going to do with all that time? You may have 25 or more years of life following retirement. When I started the podcast back in 2018, I had retired, not entirely voluntarily, but found after a while I still wanted to work. I thought this might prove a little harder to achieve than I'd found in my mid-40s, but discovered very quickly the subtle and sometimes not-so-subtle art of age discrimination. As Hunter Leonard puts it in his elegant equation, if A is greater than 50, then E equals zero. In other words, if you're 50 or older, then your experience likely equals zero interest to many employers. So why, with all these skills we mature workers have built up, does it become so difficult to find a full-time job after a certain age? I used to think it was something uniquely British, not to value this enthusiasm, maturity, experience, skill and knowledge, and wonder, did we all have to now emigrate to find employers that want us? But... After 66 podcasts and talking to guests from around the world, I find sadly that age discrimination appears a global phenomenon and seemingly is the last acceptable ism in many countries. Let's consider the received wisdom boomers, and that's not a word I generally favour, like me were fed early on. You'll stay with one employer all your working life. Now I know a number of British civil servants employed by the Crown. They do not know redundancy, will probably never know redundancy. Being in the British Civil Service is basically a job for life. A member of my family worked for the same company all his working life and took retirement and their pension at 60. An acquaintance worked for just one international company, spending, over the years, many weeks away from his family, working punishingly long hours, and then was strongly encouraged, and that is a euphemism for forced, to leave at 57. He's not worked since, over four years. A good friend had his role made redundant from a company that he jointly founded when it was taken over after 20 years' successful trading. He can't get another job in his early 60s. So, it depends. 
Lucia Knight, when I spoke to her, talked about Corporate Toast, where in your early 50s, you discover your career comes to a grinding halt. Worse, it comes with a door plainly marked in large letters, EXIT. But we shouldn't think of this as just a white-collar problem. Dr Martin Hyde spoke about the problems older workers in the South Wales Valleys in the UK face trying to find work where their traditional industrial roles have been lost as coal mines and steel mills close. Not only do they face the issues of trying to provide hard evidence of their skills without certificates, because they left school at 16, but also have to deal with the awkward geography of the area and the difficulties of travelling to new roles. Some years ago, I was given a tour around the old industrial heartland of Detroit, where much of the same issues are repeated. Redundancy, layoffs and age discrimination are no respecters of class, colour, creed, gender or country. Now, getting older shouldn't come as a surprise. It's happening to everyone and, after all, it's better than the alternative. But what is a surprise is that, still, the myths and stereotypes perpetuate that older workers are less capable of performing a job than younger workers. Dr Sarah Vickerstaff and others say there is much academic research to demonstrate precisely the opposite, and these stereotypes impact on job-seeking and the opportunities for retraining, as Dr Mariska van der Horst pointed out during our conversation. And even where you naturally think employers would jump at the chance of employing trained professionals with proven management and logistics experience, such as ex-military personnel, as Professor Matt Flynn explained, they too face their own employment challenges. Many will exit the workplace after finding it impossible to become employed, or become depressed after discovering how difficult it is to find a new fulfilling role. Vip Jaswell gave a very honest account of how unemployment affected his mental well-being. It isn't just the money. As we've heard from the podcast, and I think back to the conversations with Yvonne Akimodon, Larry Stewart, Wendy Mayhew, Paul Tasner and Stuart Lewis in particular, I realise that many, many older workers want to, need to continue working, but there are very few people around telling them or showing them how to do it. What advice would I give myself knowing what I do now? I tell myself at 21, just as I left university, that my working life could probably last 50 years or more. I'd say, expect your career to be characterised by stops, starts, and sometimes going to an unexpected hard reverse or taking a sharp left turn. I'd add that careers are not necessarily always linear, consisting of regular promotions and ever-increasing salaries. I'd emphasise the importance of continual investment in developing and adding to your skill base throughout your working life, and this is essential to sell yourself to potential employers when your competitors for the role are much younger. You'll find that what you were doing 10 years ago is unlikely to interest anyone. I would say expect to have multiple careers and that, when you get to your mid-50s and older, age discrimination is likely to be a real problem. Everyone should be taught right from the beginning that it's normal for income to rise and fall, and sometimes frighteningly so, over your working life. And finally, I'd say, if you want to keep working beyond your 60s, start planning early. So, hope for the best, plan for the worst. There's a fundamental point I want to make here. We older workers need to think about what we really want to do at retirement, typically 66, the state retirement age in the UK. How long do you want to be retired for? 
Actuarially, in the UK, on average, you'd expect to live another 20 years after retiring at 66, probably longer if you're female in good health. How do you want to spend those years? Personally, I want to work for as many of them whilst I can still contribute and learn. And you really don't want to be thinking about it on the day of your retirement. This needs considerable pre-thought and planning. Start now. I've been fortunate, I know, in being able to build up a good pension. I'm doubly fortunate in that I don't need to work. But I want to. I have skills that I can offer, and I'm now working for an organisation that genuinely seems to have no age discrimination, not that I've found in 16 months anyway, and is prepared to invest in training all individuals from whatever background that show enthusiasm and commitment. There is a downside. One of my guests, Ian, a senior marketing manager, spoke of learning to put your pride to one side. He did so, and worked delivering groceries for one of the UK's largest grocery chains for many months after a redundancy early on in the pandemic and before finding a new role. He's right. At some points in my life, I've held senior management roles with responsibility for hundreds of staff. My latest role is on the lower rungs of an organisational ladder with no staff responsibility. All my colleagues and line managers are much younger. On a recent training course, I think the person nearest to age was 27 years younger. Professor Megan Gearhart discusses the tensions that working for a younger boss can bring, and I freely admit it's taken some time to adjust. But as long as the organisation recognises that I can contribute, that I recognise that my younger colleagues can teach me new ways to do things and improve my skill set, and that we can cooperate intergenerationally, the organisation is much stronger. But I don't have to prove myself anymore, and neither do I want the hassle of managing people again. I'm content to stay on the level I'm on. If I do something wrong, or to be truthful, when I do something wrong, I reflect on my mistakes and try to avoid them next time. I no longer work stupidly long hours for some uncaring corporate with all the accompanying stress and impact on my family. I take my lunch breaks. If I get tired after eight hours, I go home. I turn my work phone off at the weekend unless I'm on call and answer emails only during working hours. I'm not getting burnout again. And if I stop enjoying it, I'll leave. The power lies with me at last. And finally, the question I ask myself as I ask most of my guests, what one piece of overarching advice would you give to an older worker? It really is never too late to start again. Listen to Larry Stewart, Catherine Brown and Paul Tasner and hear about what they've achieved. Wendy Mayhew gives excellent advice about starting your own business if you want to go down that route. Professor Megan Gearhart Dr. Mariska van der Horst, Dr. Martin Hyde and Dr. Sarah Vickerstaff are actively researching how to improve intergenerational cooperation in the workplace. And Mary Bright talks about how a number of major international brands are already harnessing the power of mature workers. There is considerable light ahead. So how do I sum all of that up? You'll need a lot of luck but there are many things you can do to increase your chances of finding meaningful work, and I've tried to cover those topics in the podcasts. You'll need to make compromises along the way. You'll need to be very persistent, and you must never, ever give up. Thank you for listening the whole way through, 
to this and my other podcasts. This is the last in the current series. Over the last three years, I've uploaded 67 podcasts, spoken to 34 guests, currently have an audience of 17,000 listeners, and have been heard in over 50 countries. My website, theredundancypodcast.com, will stay live until July 2022, and the podcast will be downloadable until at least December 2022. And if you want to get hold of me, please email me at theredundancypodcast at gmail.com.